Hello, everyone, and welcome into FCC Talk. We are here today talking with Dan Stribling, worship minister here at First Christian Church. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm feeling pretty good. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. Can't complain. Can't complain. Hey, we have got a wonderful episode for you today. We're going to be hitting a few good different points that I hope are good for you to hear about. But like we always say, we want them to be uplifting and encouraging. No politics, you know, things like ministry insights, stuff like that. You get to hear all the good, positive things because we know uh, there are so many things that can be talked about, but we want to try to provide you with something good and positive. Are you ready to be positive today, Dan? Oh, I'm so ready. (laughs) Could use a little more positivity. Very good. Very good. Hey, uh, please remember, if you are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We appreciate that. Uh, If you're listening on podcasts, please do give us a rating that helps other people find the podcast better. You don't even have to share it or anything. I mean, if you do share it, that would be great. But you don't have to do that. Just give us a rating. Give us five stars and say, click, they did a great job. And uh, that that helps other people discover the podcast more. We appreciate that. So uh, some of the things we're going to be getting into today, we have South Korean Christians turn to AI for prayer. Uh, we That's interesting. Bit, yeah, interesting one. We talked a little bit about AI and stuff a couple weeks ago with CJ uh, with the AI Jesus, but this is a bit different uh, what we'll get into. We have the five ways that the world would be better or the world would be worse, sorry, without Christianity. So they kind of attribute five things that Christianity... Only five? That's interesting. Right? Um, (laughs) And then finally, we have the Bible's most misunderstood verse. And what I found interesting about this is that this was from time, this uh, article or whatever you want to call it. So uh, Hmm. an interesting one for sure. We'll get into it. Interesting. all about it. I'm sure Dan will have many thoughts on misinterpreting verses. Didn't you do a sermon on that a month or two ago or something? I did. Yes, I did. Yes, Called I it did. out of I, context because context go. is king. There you go. Yeah. So uh, we'll learn about context and all of those wonderful things there. Let's start with the South Korean Christians and their AI prayer. How, huh, Dan? Let's go for it. All right, so South Korean Christians turn to AI prayer. Uh, basically, what's happening in this situation, I'm just going to kind of give you an overview. As always, these articles are linked in the description. You can go there if you would like to read these further. But basically, uh, what has happened is a group of South Korean Christians have turned to AI to give them prayer and to speak into them about what God is doing in their lives and to bring them biblical uh, Christian and encouragement. It has even gone so far as to, for them to ask for AI sermons, uh, for an AI Hmm. bot or whatever to uh, preach a sermon on Sunday morning. Now, I'm not, I don't think they actually did that, if I remember correctly through reading through this article, but uh, it's very interesting to see that this whole situation here with not having very many people to actually do ministry in South Korea and the South Korean ministers needing more help, them turning to AI, and now AI getting to the point where um, they are almost asking for them to pray for them, to speak uh, spiritual things into their lives. Uh, And one of the arguments that I read was, you know, well, 
It's just like reading your Bible. If the AI can put it in better terms than, or not in better terms, but in uh, more easily understood terms than what the Bible puts it in, you know, hmm. what what more is a minister doing when they when they preach the word? So um, I think obviously you probably know where Dan and I stand on this a little bit. But Dan, my first question to you would be in terms of this AI situation with South Korea and just how much it is growing. Are Christians taking technology too far? when we rely on it for prayer and to try and find preaching from it? That is a very good question. That's a very good question, especially with the developing technology and everything that's around us. You know, I tend to think of things like artificial intelligence as tools, right? You know, for I heard a great take the other day. I was listening to a guy who was talking about, you know, um, Oh, how exactly did he word it? You know, there's this conversation coming about whether or not AI will eventually overshadow humanity in terms of intelligence and comprehension. And he drew the comparison that AI um, will, will never get there for a very simple fact. And that is if you think about pizza, right? You can, it seems simple, right? But if you, if you think about it, you can ask an AI, what is pizza? What does pizza taste like? And it will compile for you a response based upon its wealth of information that has been provided to it. But there is one thing an AI can never speak from, and that is experience. Mm-hmm. An AI cannot experience the world because AI is not truly a living, breathing thing. Most of the things that we learn about our greatest way that we get in touch with things and learn things is through experiencing them. And that is also true with our relationship with God. You know, those of us that know him have experienced him in some way and maybe even on a frequent basis. There is no way a chat bot can provide you with an ex- what it's like to experience the goodness, the greatness, and the nature of God. So there is that element of disconnect. However, for aggregating and sort of combining, or I should say um, collecting or bringing together information into a single source, I think AI could be very, very useful. You know, we've we've seen similar things like this over the years. Like, you know, you, you may know this from writing all the sermons and stuff. I've learned this from writing sermons. You can go to Google and you can type in verses on, you know, Thanksgiving. Pick your topic, right? And you'll come across web pages, which basically have done nothing but grouped all these different verses by theme, topic, whatever. They're just kind of sitting there. Right. They're not always in context, but I mean, you can go there and kind of see this list. AI can do that kind of stuff in a heartbeat. And so that could be useful for study, you know, quick reference. Um, if you forgot where something is, like if, in, 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 in the scriptures, you can use that to help you locate it in the scriptures. I mean, th- there's a lot of uses for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can even say like in terms of prayer, you know, using it as a prayer assistant, that's weird to me. Like just personally, um, like if you look, I think it's at Romans 8, 27, which we're, we're probably going to be referencing later anyway, you know, as Paul is writing and he says, uh, it's actually, it's Romans eight twenty six, where he says the spirit 
intercedes through us with wordless groans. Right. You know, and those of us that have ever experienced heartache know what that's like because, you know, sometimes you don't even have the words to pray, but the right. spirit comes in and intercedes. And God, basically that, that tells us that God knows what we need, yes. even when we can't find the words for it. So to use an AI for, I don't know enough about it to condemn it, <laughs> but it's weird to me. That is kind of weird. It's definitely not traditional um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I've I've been on here telling people before, you know, how much of kind of a traditionalist I am in a yeah. lot of ways. Uh, but I also do try to be open to things like this because I understand that as things change, people change and the way people interact with things and stuff like that change as well. Um, my take on this is not so much about, you know, technology bad or AI bad. Um, my my take on this is more, you know, if we are requiring um, assistance from technology to the point that it is doing a task that, you know, only a person should be able to do, uh, like you talked about experience, being able to comfort somebody, being able to, to you know, show sympathy, it, it, you know, to to basically in the moment feel with somebody what they are feeling. Um, if we are diverting that from the job of a person to mm -hmm. a computer, um, we don't have enough people. Um, and we don't have enough care for other people um, if there's not the time for that. I don't know if that makes sense. And that sounds kind of condemning. I'm not trying to condemn anybody in this. I'm just trying to say that we should prioritize people. Um, there are things that AI can do. Um, the description that is under this video, whether you listen on YouTube or on podcast, that is all made through AI. I put on all of these notes into the chat GPT and say, please write me a summary of this in such amount of mm -hmm. characters. And chat sure. GPT split, spits me out a description. Mm -hmm. I copy and paste that in. So instead of writing, you know, 4,000 characters because it helps it make make this more discoverable and searchable if people want to find this, um, I can just tap that into chat GPT and it blurts out something for me. But to yeah. Use, mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I don't – that wouldn't work for prayer, obviously, um, because I would want to – pray with the person with what they're going through. Um, just this week, Chris had to go visit with a family who, who has, uh, you know, a dying, uh, person in their family. Sure. You can't send the chat GPT bot to do mm -hmm. that. You know, Absolutely. That is, that is something that has to be done by a person who has a heart, who cares, has sympathy, uh, who has compassion and is willing to be with those people. Um, so, you know, I think it's kind of a difficult one to talk about because you don't want to sound condemning or like you're putting anybody down. But at the same time, I do think it's a challenge for us to make sure uh, that we ourselves are uh, working uh, on the right things and putting mm -hmm. our values in the right areas as well. Am I off base there at all, Dan? I don't think so. I, th I think that, you know, because this is such a developing issue, we're still in the earliest stages of wrestling with what all of this means. And I think, you know, once again, I, I, I think tools are good. I think things that we can utilize, you know, um, 
right back to some of the first tools. You know, I, I think about, you know, when the Bible first went into publication, one of the first reference tools for the Bible was adding chapters and verses, right? So that it was more easily searchable and easier to reference different sections of the scripture. You know, there was probably somebody back then who thought that was completely heretical and that we shouldn't, you know, alter the scriptures at all or insert chapters and verses because it wasn't how it was originally written. That's sort, of, you know, I mean, w- these sorts of things do come up, but the, I think we, we cannot use technology to try to substitute experience. So the place where I would be most concerned is by having chat GPT or something, write your prayers. Like, I don't know what to pray about. So, Hey, chat GPT, write me a prayer. You know, my cousin's sick, you know, there's something like that. Strange. I would say, you know, that sort of thing, it's not equipped for, but for research reference, like how cool would it be? I'd love to have an AI bot where I could say, Hey, you know, write me a, you know, 10,000 word, breakdown of the servants on the ma- sermon on the mount referencing the key words in greek and their meaning and re- and use in this scripture something like how cool would that be yeah right that i could use that as a tool so anyway just yeah yeah this is a this is a new thing and i think we just need to remember you know it's a tool and we were created to experience god it can't do that for us so let me ask you this one more question what makes you know, ministry, what we do, and not just what we do, but what what other people do, uh, serving other people and um, helping them encounter God and helping them to worship Him. You know, what makes ministry need to be personal, have a person doing it, and not just informational with like a chat GPT bot or something like that? Like, what is the most important part of it being personal and not just informational? Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the first thing would be be simply because that's how God set it up in the first place. You know, he knew that we were, you know, creatures in need of community and the community that we experience here being part of his church really is intended to be a microcosm of the perfect community we'll experience one day when we are in heaven with him, you know? So literally this is sound crazy, maybe, but literally the closest we can get to heaven on earth is to be closely connected to the church body. And so there is no replacement for that whatsoever. In terms of the whole experience situation, you cannot get that from a machine. A machine cannot love you. A machine cannot care about your best interest. A machine could be programmed to replicate the ability to possibly care about you, but it doesn't actually care. You know, as we, we, we have to be very careful, you know, and I have some of these same kind of feelings when it comes to those of us who choose to only worship online, who, who don't want to go into a building, who just want to sit and sort of absorb content through a screen. You know, you are, you are putting up a screen barrier, which is the same thing that would happen with a technology that really is limiting your ability to connect and truly be fed spiritually. So it all kind of feeds together. You know, if the, we were not created to be cold and lifeless and experience an artificial intelligence and an artificial reality. We are, we are flesh and blood created by a living God who wants us to have a true community and a true relationship in preparation for a perfect relationship with him. Hey, amen. Good sermon, Dan. Hey, thanks. (laughs) 
we're recording this, right? I'll be able to yeah. pull from those notes later. Right. Awesome. For awesome. Sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that, Dan. Um, we're going to move on to the next one. Five ways the world would be worse without Christianity. Uh, yeah, like you said, only five, right? Well, let's mm-hmm. let's dig into them a little bit. Uh, obviously, there are notes and things like that under each one. So if you'd like to read this, uh, you can find the link in the description. But number one, the author here, Sharon James, she says, the world would be crueler without Christianity, not cooler, cruel, crueler, yeah, crueler. Mm-hmm. Um, the world would be more unjust. Well, ain't that the truth? One, uh, the world would be less free, less mm-hmm. free. Uh, the world number four would be less educated and more and much poorer. I almost said more poorer. That's no, <laughs> much it works. poorer. <laughs> and then number five, the world would have no lasting hope so like i said there's kind of some stuff we could get into under each one but i'd like to hear your thoughts chris or uh, your, your thoughts on this one dan you know obviously the work of christians is from god and not us so we're not attributing this to you know christians us doing anything it's god working through us um, right but which of these five ways do you feel like is the most important for our world today which of them so if i was to pick a number one which one would I pick? Mm-hmm. Well, I think above all else, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be the last one that she mentions, which is that the world would have no no lasting hope. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, the, the, the main reason that Christ came was to reconcile us to God, you know, and to give us life and hope for a future. I mean, the, the other things are byproducts of God's perfect nature coming into contact with humanity. That's what the other things are. But the the true thing that Christ came to do was to bring salvation and hope. So I think, and, and all the other stuff, that's all, that's all great, you know, but if we don't have everlasting hope, we've got nothing. Who cares if the world is more just, if, you know, we're all condemned or there is nothing beyond it. Right. So I would definitely have to say that's the biggest one. The others are really byproduct byproducts of God's perfect nature colliding with humanity through the church. Yeah, I think one of the points she makes under the hope is really, really important because she talks about how we don't need to be intimidated by the hostility of the Christian message displayed by so many. Uh, you know, that the Christian message can seem a little bit more hostile with like, if you don't follow God, then you're going to go to hell, you know, that kind of stuff. And while there is a lot of truth in that, and we should be mindful of that, and a part of wisdom is fearing God, um, uh, uh, you know, of what he can do to punish punish us. I do think that what she is getting at here is what's most important is that uh, we know about those awful things so that we know we do not have to go through them, that we have a hope uh, in Jesus Christ who came to die for us, that we don't have to experience hell. We don't have to experience complete separation from God. We don't have to experience, uh, you know, complete hatred and evil with nothing that can ever surpass it in our lives. Uh, Jesus defeated all of that for us on the cross, uh, which ultimately, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you that if we just have the hope of Christ in our lives, that's all we need. That's all we need. You know, less educated, more po- much poorer, uh, those kinds of things. They're awful. We don't want them. Uh, everything else on this list, less free, um, more unjust. You know, we don't want those things. But if I have the hope of Christ 
in my life. I know that this world is not my home. I know that this world is not my final destination, Mm -hmm. Uh, that I do have a destination where everything is perfect, where everybody will be loving, where there will be no hate, there will be no pain, there won't be no evil. Um, And so that that's just what I feel like we have to look forward to the most because everything here, it's, it's not eternal. It's just, I almost said circumstantial. I don't think that's the right word. Um, It's only going to be here for so long because we have a place later on. It's temporal. Yes. Temporal. There we go. I don't know if that's a word, but we'll go with it. You sound pretty smart saying it, so we'll go with it. (laughs) At least I Uh, sound smart. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Uh, My other question for you, Dan, on this topic is, is there anything else that you've seen throughout history or even in just like today's day and age that can be attributed to God working through his people? So the Christians, the church um, that others might not recognize. That is actually a pretty loaded question. I mean, I'll I'll tell you what. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful I've seen in this world than when the church comes together and works in the way that God designed it to be. There's really nothing like it. And some of the greatest good that has ever been done in the history of the world has come through the church being the church. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of little things that we might know, we might notice, we might take for granted, which at least personally for me, through my experience, right? Because I'm a human, I can have experience. I'm not a chat bot, (laughs) but you know, through my experience, you know, uh, little things like encouragement, you know, encouragement through people at the church. I, you know, uh, we, we had a situation come up, you know, in my, in my family, a couple of weeks ago, we had kind of a, kind of a little scare, it popped up and, 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 uh, somebody happened to notice that, you know, we were a little out of sorts and came up to me and just said, Hey, I don't know what's going on, but I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Be encouraged because, you know, um, we're here for you if you need us. That's huge, man. That's huge. And that's, that's a brother in Christ here at the church. Um, that's a big deal. You know, uh, you know, people praying for you. Um, I, I've, I've, I've been blessed in, anonymously through the church. I mean, God works through his body and, and it, it all seems very small, but to you individually in your own development and growth in Christ, I mean, this is God working through his people in ways that to you personally are miraculous. Right. So on that very small level, because these are all what she's talking about are the big things, right? Mm-hmm. Like the right. worldwide reaching things. But what we normally experience on a regular basis, being part of just regular old church, right. you know, are some of these smaller things. But they're they're as impactful in our personal lives as these bigger things were to the world at large. Yeah, those things that she mentioned are definitely impactful to the world and to wholesale communities and stuff like that. But you're correct. There is also the impact of just a singular personal person having a personal interaction with somebody else that is the way that God would interact with us. Um, you know, one of my favorite verses, I, I have it up on my wall, is First John 4, 12. You know, we are the full expression of God's love, not just right. what the church does as a whole, a big thing, but just our personal interactions with one another as well. Um, if I had to pick something that I feel like um, 
has has been helpful and, and, and deserves recognition throughout history and throughout society um, is the family structure that God set up for us. Um, mm-hmm. And when we adhere to that family structure, just how much better of a life that provides for everybody mm-hmm. in that family. Uh, one of the things that makes me the most heartbroken is when I see broken families um, for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, I never I, I never blame anybody. I'm never trying to say like, oh, it's this person's yeah. fault. They did this uh, because unfortunately it's just what we live in. We, we live in a broken world. Um, it's a complicated I, world. It is. It is. But I, I feel like when we can adhere to the family structure that God has set in place, you know, uh, Father, mother, uh, children, um, just all, all of those things. When we adhere to that family structure, uh, there are just so many blessings that overflow through that structure in general that God has set up because that's how we were made to interact with one another. That's how we were made to be with one another. I don't know if I necessarily understood this two or three years ago. Um, but now that I have children and now that I've been married a little bit longer, I see it um, and I see the effects um, and the the pain um, of a broken family and just what that can do to somebody sure. um, in that. Do you want to speak to that for a minute, Dan? This God's creation oh. family. And- yeah, I mean, and- once again, the, 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 the world literally does not operate correctly without the family structure, you know, and it breaks my heart, especially today, because we live in a culture that is actively trying to diminish and in a lot of cases, destroy the traditional family structure that got created. And sometimes, unfortunately, even us as Christians can get sucked into this kind of mindset as well. You know, the fact of the matter is when it all, when it all boils down is that God's system will always produce the the best results. And whenever we try to act against his created order, his perfect system, we will not get good results. It, no matter how smart we think we are, or if we figured out a better way, it just doesn't work. Right. You know, God, God created this. He knows the best way that it should function. So, yeah, it is. It's, it's a shame, you know, especially because we live in such a rebellious culture that wants to actively change what God has created. But um, yeah, there's no replacing it. And I don't want to make it sound like Dan and I are coming at anybody who, if you have come from a broken family structure. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Yeah, I know. I I was reflecting on what I said and I wanted to make sure that that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no shade here because if, if there's one thing that I've learned over years and years, it's, it's that life is also infinitely complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, things come up, situations arise, there are incompatibilities, there are struggles, there's all kinds of things. What I'm talking about is a greater societal kind of push. Exactly. You know, yes. to devalue that which God has kind of set up as right. the perfect method of functioning. That's more right. what I'm talking about. Right. And and the other thing I was going to say was even in those situations where we as Christians find ourselves in a broken family structure or coming from a broken family structure, um, the uh, miracles that God can work 
Uh, mm-hmm. in those ways. Um, I, I, some of the most powerful testimonies I've heard are people who were able to get through a broken family structure um, and still find Christ and, and right. still yeah, absolutely. fulfillment through him. And so um, that's that's the part of it where it's like, well, when we fail as humans, uh, God comes in and he, and he works things together, uh, which mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> – yeah. the next verse we're going to talk about uh, with right. the next article. But uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and get into that since we've already dipped into it here a bit. Uh, Time put together an article about the Bible's most misunderstood verse. So the most misunderstood verse in the Bible. I'm going to go ahead and bring this one up because I think it will help to see it a little yeah. bit. So if you're watching on YouTube. You- and this was actually written by N.T. Wright. Yes. This article was written by N.T. Wright. Yeah. That was one of the reasons it's, why I selected cool. it, because I thought, wow, N.T. Wright is writing in... He's writing for time. I, that's, time. Yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. And I, that's and really I, cool. I'm glad to see that you know this kind of stuff is getting recognition here. So um, the verse that they're talking about in this comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Uh, he quotes the, the portion of it here that says, All things work together for the good of them that God love or that love God. Um, not that love God or God loves because he loves everyone, but that love God. And so basically what he's talking about here is how we can misinterpret that verse into meaning something that it, it never really meant. Uh, he talks about mm-hmm. how the King James version, I'm just kind of reading here because I want to make sure I get his words right. I don't want to uh, misinterpret what he's saying. <laughs> uh, but he's quoted that we all learned and made it sound as though everything, all events, everything in the world, you know, it's kind of like that, like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, uh, saying that that gets put out there. But if you know the way Paul's mind worked and what he was actually saying in this moment in the context around it, you know that it's very odd, as as N.T. Wright puts here, that all things running themselves in that way. Um, and so he, what he really gets to here is that Paul used uh, what means works to right? Um, the King's James Version, it means work with, or sorry, I'm getting it wrong here, not works to, but works with, that we can work with anything uh, to bring good about, kind of like we were getting in there about how, you know, even though something is not working well, uh, God can still work with it to bring something good, something beautiful out of it. Um, and so it's a very interesting read that N.T. Wright gives us, uh, and I and I appreciate all the things that he has to say in it. I'm going to bring my show sheet over here so I can see it. Um, uh, and, and so Dan, my question to you is just in general with Romans chapter eight, verse 28, uh, what has always been the misinterpretation that you have seen with it and how have you <laughs> counteracted that? Well, the misinterpretation is a lot easier to pick out than the real meaning. Cause you know, this is, this is one of those big health and wealth or type things that you can sort of pluck out and well, you know, God's just going to work it all together for you. You know, as long as, you know, he's going to make everything okay. And if you, if you do what he wants you to do, you're just going to be blessed and everything's going to be good. You know, I mean, but I mean, you have, this is one of those verses you have to kind of temper with the the truth that comes from the rest of scripture. I mean, um, Mm -hmm. just because we're close to God doesn't mean everything's going to be good or he's even going to be okay. 
in this life. We're going to experience trouble. We could very well experience hardship. So what he's obviously talking about here is not physical circumstance. That is not what this is referencing. I I tend to agree more with N.T. Wright. Once again, I haven't examined this article in great detail. I think I will. You know, unfortunately, you know, can't do it while we're here on the podcast. Really, it would take a little too long. Right. But, um, you know, to me, this is much more of a generalized statement. You know, this this is God saying, you know, for those of you that have a relationship with him, you know, he is going to utilize your life experience for good. We right. know that God is able to bring good even out of horrible situations. You know, I, I'm not one. I don't believe that God creates the horrible situations. I think right. that the world is just a broken place where bad things happen. But God is able to resurrect from those some incredible good things. And I think that is more what this verse is speaking to is God's ability to do good from the, the the bad situations that we experience and the troubles that we experience. Right. And the fact that he is using us to have those situations that maybe aren't great uh, for them to be used in such a way that they can still be used for good. Uh, that's how I've always interpreted the verse i know that many sure. people like you said kind of use it in such a way that it's like oh yeah it, you know it doesn't matter what happens to you it's gonna turn out good and it's like well yeah that's not um, necessarily true exactly like and that's not necessarily what we read around it in romans chapter 8 we're not going to read romans chapter 8 completely here but um i i will point out that you know this is an example of when we try to make the bible all about us Right? That's right. When we try to say, oh, this, you know, scripture is all about me and making things better for me. And as long as I say that I love God to people, God's going to give me good luck. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, the right God thing. is not a rabbit's Karma. foot. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I just talked about this with the kids in chapel the other day, you know, when uh, in Matthew chapter seven, when uh, God or uh, Jesus says, you know, knock and the door will be answered and uh, what you ask for will be given to you. Jesus doesn't say that as like a genie saying, whatever you wish for, it will happen. You know, (laughs) he's he's saying that I am here. I am listening to you. You might not always see me working, but I am going to be working in ways that are good, uh, whether you agree that they're good or not. Um, And that is always what I feel like has to be thought through in verses like this is what is good. Now, we can do an entire podcast on this, so we're not going to, you know, delve deep into that question. But um, right. Yeah. But. Good is more about what God's, God sees fit and not what we see fit, right? I mean, we can have our own definition of good, what we think is best. Uh, but at the end of the day, just like we said with this verse, it's not about us. It's about what God right. deems to be good, what God deems to be best. Um, you tend to agree yeah, if, with that, Dan? I would. I mean, if we're going to use words like good, we have to understand the value system that's behind it. you know. And God's value system is not always. I mean, we, we should be about bringing our value system into alignment with his. Right. But this, I mean, what, what God said is good is not necessarily what we think is good. You know, I mean, I think, you know, um, you know, being healthy is good. I think that having stability is good, but what God thinks is good is righteousness. What God thinks is good is relationship, you know, that we, we may have, we may not look at things from the same angle. So when God says, you know, he's going to bring things together for good, 
that doesn't mean you're going to get a promotion or you know you're going to have financial stability or anything what when he's bringing something together for good that means he's going to be cultivating righteousness and relationship with you so that when you have trouble in this world you'll be close to him yeah i think uh you kind of hit it on the head there for uh something that i've been going through recently uh you know i obviously i'm not gonna talk too much into it because i know it stresses people out so and i don't want to stress anybody out but obviously you know inflation is a real thing in, in the world today and things are getting yeah, much more deal. expensive uh big deal so we're not going to go into that but i will say that you know through um things becoming more expensive and through you know me having two children now over the past two years i've really had to do a lot of of soul searching and thinking, you know, what are we actually spending our money on that makes sense? And not just we as a family, but me personally, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, what, what can I do to help for my family to have more of what they need, uh, for them to be able, not that I need to go out and get another job and make more money. So that way I can provide for all these frivolous things that I don't really need. Um, but that I can just look at myself and look at what God has given me and say, how do I be the best steward with what I have uh, for those things? Um, and so, you know, fi- not we were never financially uh, unsustainable or, um, in a bad situation or anything like that, but it, it was prices are rising and things like that enough for us to take a look and say, what can we do differently? What can we do better? Uh, and I think that's an example of the good that came from that, right? I wouldn't say that you know, prices rising and things like that are good for me. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that God used that in such a way to help myself mature, help myself to have a better understanding of the financials um, and use them in such a way and also be more selfless for my family uh, and not just thinking about what I want um, and those different things. Do you, do you have any examples I think, like that? I, I think anything, Dan? Well, I think that's a great example right there, you know, because when you think about it, you know, what do we tend to think is good when we think about finances? Like you said, the frivolous things, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, there, there's a lot of people who lifestyle is their idea of what is good. If I have the lifestyle I want, it's good. If I don't, it's bad. But in your situation, <laughs> you know, from from God's value system, what would be good for you would be self-discipline and wisdom. Right. <laughs> that's the good. Right. Because that is those two things are a part of righteousness, you know, and isn't that far more valuable than simply having trinkets or, you know, a a comfortable lifestyle. So I think that's I think that's a great example. Yeah, and I think when you truly do um, commit to your relationship with God and loving Him, you see those things as good in your life, and not the you know materialistic things or something like that uh, that you might deem as super important in your life. You see that, and that's what I've always gotten to with people: is if you just grow yourself closer to God, if you if you just commit to loving Him and growing closer to Him. Um, you're going to find yourself wanting the same things that God wants because you understand his character. You see him for who he truly is and you see the good that he truly brings, not the good that you might think uh, he would bring. And so that, that's always been my advice to people is, is, you know, when they have a hard time reading Matthew chapter seven and say, well, I should be given anything I want. It's like, well, 
but do you truly understand why you ask for things from God? And do you truly understand what he gives and what he brings? The more you love God and the closer you get to him, you do understand those things and it helps out in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, Dan, um, Oh, uh, one more question for you. Um, do you have any other examples? I know you probably have some from your sermon you preached not too long ago, but do you have any other examples of verses that you feel like can sometimes be taken out of context or used incorrectly that you might want to let the people know about? <laughs> oh, there are so many. Um, <laughs> give me the highlights. Give me, give me one or two. Well, you'll have to forgive me because you just asked me that. And sitting here, I just drew a complete blank. Oh, okay. My my brain just completely wiped. I was over there. I've been over there thinking about, you know, God's nature and value system and selfishness versus selflessness. So I've got to like mentally change gears here to think about out of context verses. I mean, it's kind of a passion of mine, you know, dealing with verses that are out of context because I think it's it's so very important to um, to look at things in context and give me just a second here I try not to belabor this for too long because I know we are on limited time but okay, I really I'll, uh, did I'll, I'll just speak to one for a moment while yeah go ahead and kick us off because I literally just had a mental meltdown. Yeah, so one of the main ones, and I'm typing it in right here, is Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, um, that's maybe the biggest one. Go yeah, for it. Take uh, it away. I figured it was probably on your list, but uh, I wanted to give you the first stab at it if you wanted it. But uh, And I won't spend too long on this one. It, it really is an encouraging verse. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, um, if you don't know it, it is, for, the pl- for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and hope. It really is quite an encouraging verse if you read it from the sense of, you know, this is what God is declaring to every single person on earth. Um, However, it's not, God's not speaking to every single person on earth uh, when he's saying this. He is speaking to, to, if I'm not mistaken, to Jeremiah, correct, Dan? Well, to Jeremiah and to the Jewish people of the time. That's right. Uh, and so, you know, he's speaking to them. And so, yes. It's a very specific context and point in time. Exactly. And so, mm-hmm. yes, we can, you know, learn here that God has a character of love and care uh, for his people and for those who follow him and wanting to to work with them and, and give them what they need and require. Uh, but this doesn't necessarily mean that every single person who prays to God, God's response is for, I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare, not calamity. You know, it, it, it's not exactly to each person. So I've always right. said, take this verse more as God's character that he loves and cares for his people and that he wants to bring them closer to him so that they can rest and have peace and have hope in him. Uh, that's more so what I get from it, not the, oh, okay, these words are being spoken directly to me. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I mean, when when you look at Jeremiah 29, I mean, when you look at it in its greater context, this is a message to the Jewish people where God is kind of laying out, this is what my promise to you is going to be. Right. And it's a beautiful section of scripture, but it's really intended for a very specific purpose. And it's a perfect example of what happens when we just kind of go cherry picking. And, you know, a lot of people will justify this one because it does have, it's great words of encouragement. The only problem is it does not work 
in every single situation, the way that it works in the context that it was originally written. Right. Um, and, and because God does not have plans to physically prosper every person, right. it is just not, it is not going to happen. You know, there are going to be those of us who are blessed physically, and there's going to be those of us who experience extreme poverty and hardship throughout our lives. You know, I think about our brothers and sisters over in countries like India and, you know, East Asia and the Southeast Asia, you know, where there's extreme poverty and persecution to this day, you know, they are not being prospered in the traditional sense of the word and the way that we would interpret this verse. But speaking to what we've already talked about, God's value system, you know, the, um, that sort of thing, they are still very, very blessed. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great example. I was going to throw another one at you real quick, just yeah, sort of a bonus, bonus verse out of context. And that's first Corinthians 10, 13. You know, we have the slogan, we have the slogan in our culture that God will never give you more than you can handle. <laughs> it is not true. That, that, it, that little saying came from this verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I see you got it pulled up there. I'll just read it. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Literally, the verse does not even reference circumstance. This verse is yeah. talking very specifically about temptation and our ability to withstand temptation. Also keep in mind, this is a promise that is only made to those that know God. Yes. Literally, if you do not know God, you are going to run into things you cannot resist. Yes. You will be overtaken. The whole point of this is knowing that God, that the Holy Spirit is our lifeline. If we are to live lives of righteousness, if we are to be holy, the only way to do that is through the power of God and through a relationship with him where he, like it says right here, he will provide the way of escape. Exactly. So, and I think those last two yeah. words, endure it, are the most important to really articulate that point that you're making is that, yeah. you know, it, it it's not saying that temptation will poof, just go away, but we have, no. we, we can endure it, not because of ourselves, but because we have God with us to help us do that. So Jesus was a man of sorrows who was very familiar with suffering, mm -hmm. and he lived a perfect existence. If Christ is not exempt from suffering and hardship and having to endure through temptation and struggling— what makes us think that we will be <laughs> very true so. very true all right well we'll uh we'll move on from there um and, and these these sections don't normally take as long but we'll just get to the end here dan we have the what are you eating what are you reading what are you watching Is there anything new that's going on for you right now that you anything new going on you want to share with everybody i think we should change that question to how are you surviving yeah <laughs> No, I mean, it, it, it's just kind of normal for us. I'm not doing anything new. You know, we're still getting by. You know, the boys are all really busy. They've got lots of fun stuff going on. They've been involved in plays and things recently. And we have, we're in that stage where we have something going on every single night or day of yeah. the week. Yeah. You know, so we're just, I'm just trying to keep up 
What am I eating? Whatever my wife throws in front of me. What am I watching? Nothing. I don't have time to watch TV. And what am I reading? Well, once again, I'm still wanting to start mere Christianity. And who knows? Maybe I'll get some time this weekend. I can actually crack that open. But there you go. We're just we're just living in the middle of the storm right now. Yeah, uh, you doing stuff for your kids and having a good time with that. That uh, that's just where stuff. life is right now, man. Yeah. Just what we're yeah. doing. I'm sure it's hard to read with with uh, Luke around sometimes. So <laughs> <laughs> hard try, impossible. <laughs> uh nothing nothing super new for me i feel like i never have anything new because i i ask this question every single week but uh you know we're we're making our thanksgiving plans with family so that's uh kind of fun to think about as seeing uh family and people like that again that we haven't seen in a while uh lottie had her second birthday earlier this month so that was fun celebrating that and um doing that we uh jack just turned is it five months? Yes. Five months yesterday. So, um, that, super that cool. Good time. Um, and, and just, you know, watching the kids grow and, yep. uh, you know, kind of being happy, but a little bit sad at the same time too. So, you know, but that's parenting for you. So <laughs> <laughs> equal parts, happiness and sadness. I get that all at the same time, all at the same time. Uh, Dan, do you have a, a Bible verse or anything that you want to share with everybody before we get out of here? Just something encouraging, something that maybe you've been thinking about, but on your heart for a little bit, uh, you just want to share really fast before we get out of here. Sure. We're going to go to one that everybody knows, and this kind of dovetails directly into everything we've talked about here today with these articles. And I guess kind of the theme of this podcast, you know, if you pull up, um, we're going to go to John chapter 16, verse 33. We all know this verse, but like I said, it dovetails perfectly into what we've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. John 16, 33, this is Jesus talking, and he's he's talking to the disciples, and this is toward the end of his ministry, and he says this. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So it's a very interesting juxtaposition here because he starts off by saying, guess what? You're going to have trouble, but I've overcome the world. And you would think once again, in our human value and our human logic, we think, well, but if you've overcome the world, why should we have tribulation? You're in control, right? Think about God's value system and think about what it is that he values. God values holiness over happiness. He values righteousness over comfort. You know, and his ultimate desire is not for us to be wealthy, it's to be saved. Mm-hmm. So we he he tells us that, you know, throughout this life, just like we've talked about today, you know, he will be there. He will be our lifeline. He is the source of our, our power right here. He even says, so that in me, you may have peace, not just so that you may have peace, right? Okay. So that you may have me, so that. In me, you may have peace. It all comes down to him and who he is. And, um, you know, like we said, he was a man who was no stranger to suffering and he was in a, no stranger to sorrow. We are going to experience those same things. But, but he has overcome the world. In other words, he controls the outcome. No matter what happens in between, he is the victor. He controls the outcome. And if we can have peace in him, take his lifeline, endure the trouble of this world, we will overcome as well through his power. 
And that should encourage all of us because basically it goes back to what Paul said, what can you do to me? What can you do to me? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can kill my body, but my soul is in the hands of God. Yeah. Yeah. So many thoughts on this verse. I love this verse. I ended my sermon with it the other day. Cause I just feel like, Oh yeah, you did. Didn't you encapsulated yeah. it? And, and I, and I love to hear uh, your perspective on that as well. Uh, uh, just quick note before we get out of here. I was uh, speaking to the preachings the other day in our in our little class that we have over in Kids Zone, and we were talking about you know peace and hope and those things that God has given us and why they're important. Uh, and one of the little girls, she said, "Well, peace means everybody gets along." And I said, <laughs> "Okay." I said, "Sure, you know, we'll go with that. Peace means everybody sure. gets along." I said, "What does peace in Christ mean?" She said, "Well, then everybody gets along at church." <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, yeah, but but it was it was a good situation to be able to discuss. You know what is hope? You know we have hope, but hope in Christ is different than just having you know standard hope in life. Uh, and right. having peace is good, but guess what? Peace in Christ is much much more than just standard peace that we might feel that we have. Uh, because at the end of the day, if it is in Christ, it is eternal. It is what we know is assured. It is what we have that is never going to go away from who we are or who we or or, or for, for because of who Christ is. Uh, and it's in our lives uh, because of Him. So I just wanted to make right. that quick note. I thought it made me think of that moment in the class the other day. And, uh, it was a it was a funny one, but also really that's a cool. Ex- yeah, yeah. Tuck that one away. You use that as a sermon illustration later sometime. I have a great time <laughs> in the preteen class, man. They uh they have fun in there. So that's and cool. Of course, Elijah just moved up to it. So um, oh boy, well have fun. Grade. Yeah, he's technically third grade, so he's not preteen. But I was going to say, hard for me to think of him as a preteen. You know, he's what eight? Yeah, we had to uh, open up the grade level a little bit so that way the class sure. isn't just you know a few kids. So he's a thinker, though. He'll contribute something to that. Oh class. yes, he contributes a lot, and, and mm-hmm. he loves mm-hmm. the class. He said he he loves Good. going to it. So, so yeah. All right. Well, hey Dan, that's all I got for us today. Uh, thanks for joining us. You uh, you have any notes about the worship ministry, anything like that? You want to tell people before we get out of here? Any notes about the worship ministry? I mean, not specifically. We are looking for some folks right now. You know, uh, we could real. I could really use another couple of people to kind of work behind the scenes. You know, if you're somebody that doesn't really want to be on stage, and I get it. Most people don't. You know, it's pretty uncomfortable getting up there. But um, you know, if 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 you're interested in uh, pushing buttons, uh, <laughs> that's kind of what I need. Like up sliding little light faders, that sort of thing. You know, it's it's really simple stuff, and it does take a bit of a commitment, you know, because church is every Sunday. You don't have to go every Sunday, but I'm trying to have enough people where, say, like you only have to serve once a month, that right. sort of thing. Once a month, once every five weeks, something right. like that. So if that would be of interest to you, you know, get in touch with me. Give me a buzz. Shoot me a message, whatever. I'd love to talk to you about that. And it's just a really – it's a good opportunity for service that honestly is pretty straightforward. There you, go. you know, pretty straightforward. There you go. All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, Dan. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thanks so much for being at FCC Talk, and we'll see you next time. All right.